Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, are you ready for week two? Here we go. Praise the Lord. Uh, Some of you are wondering if I got a new uh, pulpit. Nope, I got two new ones. So uh, shout out to Ricardo. I guess he took it uh, yesterday or Sunday after church and they came in the next day and uh, Pastor Lewis told me he grabbed it and he made it just a little bit thicker this time. He said, if I break this one, then he's making one out of wood. So praise the Lord, we're hoping it uh, holds up. If you missed last week, like, what in the world is Pastor Derek talking about? Uh, I just leaned forward on it, not unlike any other time, and it just snapped right in the middle, and it just fell to the ground, like some of your hopes and dreams for the Viking season, just (laughs) snapped in half. And you know, what's funny, when the pulpit broke, the Vikings had never lost for the whole season. I mean, they'd also never played, but coincidentally, since then... They lost both games. I don't know what's going on with that, but um, our God has still never lost, so that's just another reason. Put your hope in him instead of the Vikings. Amen. Well, uh, that wasn't meant to be a diss on our team, but uh, kind of sounded like it, but it's just a statement of fact. And uh, so here we are. It's, uh, we're looking forward to This week, too, we're talking about discipleship. Like Jeff mentioned, last week was worship, and uh, if you missed it, go ahead and watch it. If you want to see me uh, fail in front of everyone, that's an opportunity as well. Some of my pastor friends from around the country, they were texting me um, some creative pastor quotes that I could have, you know, put on there. They said, you know, we're singing chain breaker, puppet breaker, a lot of those things. They were like, you know, the anointing breaks the yoke. I said, already used that one, you know, just different things and it's all good. And so, uh, here we are just glad I didn't fall over. And, uh, looking back, there's a lot of things I could have said when that happened, that would have been, you know, awesome. And, uh, just thankful there was a lot of things I didn't say when it happened. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so here we are week number two, We're excited for it. Uh, Worship last week, discipleship this week, more coming up, serving, evangelism, fellowship. You saw that there on the video, and uh, we are so excited for it. You see there on your note sheet, hopefully you grab that out. We'll get to filling in those blanks in a moment, but let me read our dream statement today. Now, in case you missed last week and you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, we've been going through this as a pastoral staff this year called Acts 2 Journey. We have Brother Alton Garrison with us here in March, and we're just saying um, we believe every church has next level potential, and even as we've seen God's hand on our church, we've been growing and seeing God do great things. We believe that he still is not done with us, but there's more in store. Amen? Amen. 14 people are believing with the pastor. That's awesome. Appreciate your support. But here we go. We're going to read this next phrase, and it said, I dream of a church. Now, again, if you missed last week, maybe this is your first time in the series, we wrote these in a first-person uh, encounter, experience, exercise that we did as pastors. We all wrote it down, and then we came together, and then we wrote one together. So it's not just a dream that we're hoping that the pastor has, but I do. It's not just a dream that we're hoping the pastoral staff has, but we do. We're praying as a result of this series, us getting on the same page together, that we will collectively say, this is our dream together, that we can't do the one another commands of scripture by our 
ourselves. We need one another. And we're believing that this isn't just the platform dream, but this is our church dream together. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. I dream of a church where discipleship, last week was worship, this is discipleship, is a continual process. What does that mean? We're all still a work in progress. <laughs> now, come on, look at your neighbor. Say, you might need more work than me, but you're not perfect either. So it's a continual process of personal biblical devotion. We're not following after a personality or a trend or anything that's trending, right? This is about biblical devotion. What does God have to say? Not just what do I feel like, not just what do other people say that sounds good. What does God have to say? Personal, biblical devotion. We're trying to transfer it from just you hearing the word on Sunday to you being transformed daily through your own personal, biblical devotion. Resulting in making disciples. Not resulting in a completion certificate that you put on your fridge, but this process of helping others become disciples as well. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 14. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet? Let's read God's word together. Uh, I'm on page 2131 in my Bible. You probably don't have the same one, so figure it out on your own. Or we could be on the same screen. I almost said the same page, but it's not a page. We could be on the same screen. Acts chapter 14. And verse uh, 21, we'll begin, read down to verse 23. They preached the gospel in that city, and they won a number, a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. One of my goals every time that we gather here is that you're strengthened, (laughs) And that you build up that strength to remain true in the faith. That you're not blown about by the wind and the waves and the popularity and things that are going on. You got to remain true to the faith. They said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, spiritual leaders for them in each church with prayer and fasting. They committed them to the Lord and those people they had put their trust. We're talking about discipleship here today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Speak to us individually, but then also corporately. Let everybody become more like you today, Lord Jesus. And in in that name that we ask it, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Get those notes, four things, and some... uh, closing statement as well. Um, If you were newer here just even this fall or maybe in the summer, you might not know that right after Easter, we spent a couple months in the book of Acts and last fall, actually. We, so we spent four or five, I don't know, maybe six months or so. I'd have to go back and look. It might be three or four. Don't just look at it up. Uh, preaching from the book of Acts. And so we were talking about the church uh, here locally and globally and how it's growing and going and uh, just We wanted to go back and say, when Jesus left and he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit from the Father in heaven, what did it look like here on earth? And we want to be that type of church that saw great expansion 
within the kingdom here on earth. And so we preached all the way through, I preached, (laughs) you listened, I preached all the way through Acts chapter 15, and I realized yesterday I was here for the ladies' uh, brunch. I mean, technically I was not here for the ladies' brunch. I was here finishing my sermon for today, but because they were here for the ladies' brunch, what I did is I served them and I went and I sampled the bacon to make sure it was safe for them to eat. Tell you the heart of your pastor for these ladies. I'm just, it's incredible. Not, not me, just, it's him. But uh, I also sampled the cinnamon rolls. Those were safe as well. And so uh, they were able to partake. They did not eat nearly as many cinnamon rolls as bacon as the guys do at men's breakfast, but uh, the fruit uh, parfait went well. So anyway, anyway, I was here, not for the ladies' brunch, but I was reviewing, as I was praying for today, I was reviewing, hey, from the book of Acts, what, what did I talk about? Because I keep a record of the weeks, and we want to make sure that we're teaching through the whole scripture, not just like my three favorite passages to get an amen or you to like me. We want to say, what is all of the word of God saying? So I was going back and saying, I know I've preached in the book of Acts a lot over the last 12 months, and this was crazy. I didn't know this till yesterday. We already printed notes, written most of the message. And yesterday, almost afternoon, I discovered that when I preached through the book of Acts about 20 some sermons, I never preached from Acts chapter 14. So like, even many of you, you're like, we don't really care. Just get to the note sheet. I just want you to know I was so encouraged yesterday because for whatever reason, as we were moving through the text before, though I feel, believe the Holy Spirit just had us jump over it, and then we came back to it today, not knowing that it was missing, and yet the way he works, he brings things to completion. What am I saying in your life? Even if you're in a season that you felt something jumped over or you were just doing what he said and he came forward, let me just say his word won't return void. I believe it will come back at some point and it might be next year, it might be next season, but just continue to do what he asks you to do and I believe things will be completed in his time. Can I get a good amen? All right, now we're talking about discipleship. This is not because I wasn't sure of what to talk about today. Pastor Josiah is our discipleship pastor. This is not like his attempt to try to keep a job at the church. Um, This is Jesus' idea. Okay, what did Jesus say? Right before he left, he ascended back to the Father. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, he said five simple words, or at least our understanding in English. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, this whole idea of discipleship, making disciples, like I said, it's not my idea. It's not Pastor Josiah's idea. It is Jesus' idea. It's his instruction to us. And by the way, Jesus didn't just say, if you're the pastor of a church, go and make disciples. He didn't just say, if you're a missionary, going to move to different parts around the world, go and make disciples. Jesus said, all authority under heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore I am the one who can tell you what to do. And it was the same call for everybody to go and make disciples. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. What does that look like? How do we do it? How are we doing that here at Celebration? So let me teach you a few things right here from Acts chapter 14 as we kind of come back to Acts and complete that cycle through chapter 15. Number one, understanding discipleship, we need to know that decisions become disciples. That's the natural progression. That's how it starts out as a decision, but it doesn't just stay there. They become a disciple. The Bible says they preached 
the gospel in that city, in this church, in your home, at your school. When you preach the gospel, people will be one for Jesus Christ. It says, and they won a large number of disciples. I love the simplicity of this verse, and I believe our commands. If we could only do two things, I believe these are the two things we must be doing. Number one, preaching the gospel. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. And number two, making disciples. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to pick two, but what I do know is that we should not skip those two. Preaching the gospel and making disciples. That's what every follower of Jesus is called to do. But sadly, I think we've overcomplicated it so much that we're not even sure how to do really either of those two things. Now, we'll have an entire week on evangelism, October 1st. If you want to circle that on your calendar, come that week. I think you should come every week. But, you know, this I'll talk more about evangelism there, so I won't spend too much time on it here. But I just want you to know that in the context of this passage, or in light of our understanding of preaching in those days versus today, um, it's important that we know that preaching the gospel is not limited to just pastors. Now, some of you are like, I, I could not write a sermon to get up there in front of hundreds of people and be shown on the internet to thousands more. The good news for you is that's not really what was taking place in this text. In those days, preaching was a smaller audience, a smaller setting, and it was more conversational than it is now, or than it is now in the upper Midwest of Minnesota, where one person talks, everybody stares silently, except for Jeff, who's from Tennessee. Right? Like, like when I'm in the South, it's more conversational. <laughs> they'll talk to the preacher. They'll help him out. They'll him, but you just stare at me. It's a little different, okay? So when they were preaching, it wasn't necessarily this printed form of I know everything and I'm going to tell you all that know nothing. It was this evangelistic dialogue that was taking place. Yes, there was still a primary communicator or speaker, but they were explaining things and people, part of their learning process, this is crazy because it's really coming back in 2023, is people would ask questions and the presenter would answer their questions instead of being scared by their questions. I wanted to like lean forward again, but I didn't want to test it in week one, Ricardo. I'll just, I'll just say it, you know. Uh, maybe we need to return to that atmosphere of dialoguing, conversing, and not being scared by questions. And instead of viewing a question as a threat to our safety and our security, that we ought to view a question as an engagement in a learning process. So the Bible says they preached the gospel. They engaged in scriptural dialogue. They discussed it in a group. It wasn't this massive deal where only one person could be heard. They were discussing, right? So it was more conversational. It was an evangelistic presentation. But back then, like it is now today, if the message is true, then it must be adhered to, right? Everybody needs to decide. And their message was centrally tied to evangelism. There was no week in this presentation of the gospel where they were like, here's how to make more money at your job. 
which kind of throws a wrench in a bunch of weeks in a lot of American churches today (laughs) and their sermon topics, right? The message that was being discussed here, that was being preached in this city, the gospel, the good news of Jesus was not one about how to be healthy and wealthy. But it was that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. When the capital T truth is presented, people will respond and their natural step was to make a decision for Jesus and immediately become a disciple. Now, another translation there where it says, and they won a large number of disciples. Other translations say, and they were making many disciples. The message was presented, a decision was made, and those people then made another decision to become a disciple. It's not just how many decisions, but it was that those decisions became disciples. Now, I'm all for those indicators of decisions. Like today, if you uh, are not right with God, you feel far away from him, there's sin in your life, you'll have an opportunity to make that decision to repent of your sin, to be forgiven. The Bible says the old will be gone and the new will come, right? You have that choice to make a decision. We'll say, would you raise your hand? We'll indicate that decision. There's, you may fill out a card. You'll indicate that decision. Those things are important, but they're not the finish line. They're the starting point of your journey with Jesus, right? And so uh, I think in America, we've put far more emphasis on getting to the starting point and not nearly enough discussion, emphasis, training, resourcing on what do we do after we say yes? We're like, we don't know, just come back next week and we won't know then either, Why is it so important about this resource that we're going to release today? Because we've called around the country. Most other places don't know either. (laughs) We're like, Jesus said, go and make disciples, but we're pretty comfortable just getting decisions because we know how to do it. It's an easier metric. We can track it. We can pat ourselves on the back for it. We're wanting to preach the good news, the gospel, anywhere and everywhere. That's not just limited to a Sunday sermon from a pastor, right? But it's each and every follower of Jesus preaching the good news everywhere they go. And we believe when the good news is preached, when the gospel is presented, people will say yes to Jesus. The question is, will we help them? Will we be satisfied with that or will we help them become a disciple? Right, Western Christianity here in America, we tend to view this overall picture as just one decision, yes or no, are you saved or not? And that's important, but Christians around the world understand that that one decision now impacts every other decision they make. And yet, sadly, it seems in our nation, we feel very comfortable saying, I've made this one decision, and then I'm going to compartmentalize that one decision into my Sunday morning life, and I'm going to eliminate it from my business decisions, my family decisions, and whatever else. But believers around the world, like here in Scripture, they would understand that that one decision would change every decision. Decisions become disciples. It's a continual process. What does that mean? We're all still under construction. 
none of us have learned so much about God and memorized enough verses that we're done being a disciple and now we can do nothing. We are all on this journey together until we're in heaven with him. Every day we have the decision to choose to be a disciple of Jesus. My prayer is that we would make a decision to become a disciple. All right, number two, talking about discipleship, we see that programs equip people. Been a lot of pushback and people don't like programs, and, but I'm telling you programs should equip people. It says they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They were strengthening the disciples. You know, another translation says they were strengthening the believers. Now, maybe uh, I'm wrong on this and you know so much more about original language, but when I'm thinking, if I read multiple translations, one uses disciple, one uses believer, what does that mean? They meant the same to them. And I would contend that they should mean the same to us today. In the first century, there was no understanding or there was no mechanism for them to say yes to Jesus in a church service and then do nothing else for him. It was like, I'm in and I'm all in. By the way, that's kind of the point of water baptism, right? You get all the way in. It's not like we just dunk your left hand. Woo! Like you might raise your hand, but it's like you're all in. And, and there was, uh, there was a, a book written. I don't even know who wrote it, but I heard the title and I didn't read it, but that was enough for me. The title was called Unbelieving Believers. Because in our country, we have many people who look like to others that they are an unbelieving believer. Their word or their bumper sticker says they're a believer, but their actions don't line up and they are functionally an unbelieving believer. We see here, though, the task of the leaders was to strengthen these disciples, these believers, and encourage them to remain true to the faith. If you want to do this with a large number of people, the Bible says a large number of disciples were one, or they were making them, I believe you need to create consistency through a repeatable process or program. I don't know why programs have gotten such a bad rap within the Christian community. When you, uh, you're baking, I was watching some YouTube videos about making bagels in New York. I don't know why I was watching that, but somehow I was watching it. My wife was like, what are you watching? I was like, making bagels in New York. She's like, why are you watching? I was like, I don't even know. She's like, well, you just stop. I was like, no, I've got 45 seconds left in this video. I have to know how it ends up, you know. But, you know, you don't just make up the recipe every day when you're making tens of thousands of bagels. Now they said, depending on the humidity in the air, they might uh, make some adjustments, but you need a program, a repeatable process if you're in the baking industry. Uh, think of it this way. When, when you go to the doctor, don't you want your doctor, your nurse to have been through a repeatable process, some kind of medical program? You don't want to be like, I feel like a doctor today. I feel like going somewhere else. <laughs> So let's both follow our feelings. You know, like, you don't just make it up. You're like, well, I know I was trained this way. No, we don't want medical professionals just going away from the process. But then we come to church and we're like, I don't want that pastor telling me what to do. Like, and I know there's a fine line between manipulative, controlling, spiritually abusive situation where it's like the pastor tells you, you have to read your Bible to go to heaven. Let me just help you in case you've ever heard that. You don't have to read your Bible to go to heaven. But let me also help you. You should read your Bible if you're still living on earth. (laughs) 
And now let me just give you another revelation. Somebody's going to quit the church over this, but it's fine. You'll quit for other reasons. Might as well be. Let me get some stuff off my chest. I don't always feel like reading my Bible every day. You know, there are mornings where I wake up and I'm not like, this is the day to read the word. Some days I wake up and I'm like, this is the day to have an extra cup of coffee because the dog tried to join us in bed last night. (laughs) Just stretching out. I'm like, you don't pay no bills and you're shedding everywhere, you know, but. But that's called discipline, right? That's what we're doing here. We're saying, I need a program. You know why they're at the gym, they have physical fitness trainers and they have programs that you can follow? Why programs like Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey, they're helping people because humans need programs. We need some amount of, I need to just follow this because when I just do whatever I feel like, it rarely ends up good. So then the pastor's like, well, you should have a Bible reading plan. I just, I don't know why he wants to tell me what to do. Who does he think he is? (laughs) Apparently Jim Gaffigan's preaching now. I don't know what's going on, but (laughs) let me tell you who I think I am. Your pastor. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm new. Fine, their pastor, whatever. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm called to strengthen the believers strengthen the disciples and encourage you to remain true to the faith. It'd be a shame for me to stand up here and be like, you know what? If you don't feel like it, get rid of that word. Like just play out what we're thinking about here. It's not to say which chapters you need to read or how many verses, but I'm just telling you, friends, as your pastor, someone who cares about you, you need to be daily involved in the word of God. Pick a verse, pick a chapter, pick the whole book. Jude, start there. That's a church joke, it's really short, okay? But Somebody like, I don't think that's very funny. Look it up in the table of contents. It'll be hilarious this afternoon. <laughs> Read Jude 2. Jude 2 what? That's, anyway, never mind. Okay. We need some programs that equip people. Not that make us feel better about ourselves, but that are actually helping people, right? Sur- studies, surveys will tell us that our nation is biblically illiterate. And I don't just mean out there. I mean within the churches as well, right? We got people in in church pews and rows. Also, we got pastors standing behind pulpits that say things like, the Bible says God will never give you more than you can handle. And the truth is that is found in 2 Hesitations chapter 3. Now that went over a lot of people's head. Let me just say, that's not in the Bible. Second hesitations, nor God will never give you more than you can handle. Neither of those things are in the Bible. But the trouble is, we don't know what the Bible says. So then we can see a YouTube clip or even a pastor in front of us say things, and we're like, that sounded good. It aligns with my preconceived ideas, biases, and preferences. But the truth is, it ain't in the Word at all. 
let me just really get on my soapbox in the second service. Is it any wonder when we come to election season with our political system and we wonder why there's so much angst in our land when people on both sides, politicians on both sides of the aisle claim some crazy stuff and they attribute scripture as the basis for their craziness. Why? Because we don't know what the word says. And maybe part of our struggle in 2023 is we've abandoned good, healthy, equipping programs within the body of Christ. And maybe we're reaping the fruit that we've planted that says, you know what, just do whatever you want. So we got some programs that we're revealing today, opening up, that we believe will equip you for your purpose, which newsflash to the end is making other disciples, right? So we've been talking about this for a while. Pastor Josiah has been leading most of this. Pastor David as well. First 30 is available today. And those booklets are in between or outside the doors. First service, I said they're just over there, but I went out in the lobby. They're in both areas. And so we want you to grab them today. We believe this is going to be a gift uh, to people within our community here in the South Metro and beyond, but also to churches all over. Even when we made it, we didn't put our logo or name anywhere on it because I got friends all around the country just asking for it because quite honestly, there are very few people that know what to do with other people. We're like, we know how to get them to say yes, but now what? <laughs> and so we don't really know. So this is their first 30. And I, I've, we've had, I was gonna say, I printed them. I didn't print anything. Um, we've printed them. By we, I mean, Pastor David. <laughs> we've printed them for everybody. So we have one for everybody on your way out, whether you have been following Jesus for your whole life or just this week, or maybe you're still thinking about it. We want everybody to grab one of these booklets and you can read it on your own time, go through it. It's some great topics that I believe will help you. Let me just list some of the topics that are in here. The kingdom of God. God, the example of Christ, biblical justice, what happened on the cross, the help of the Holy Spirit. That's just the first seven days. Then we get into repentance and forgiveness and mercy and stewardship. It's By the way, it's just two pages, one page of uh, explanation of the topic, uh, some scripture on page two, and then a place where you can pray. So those are great things. Preparation, stewardship, fruit of the Spirit, discipline, listening to God's voice, prayer, worship, those are all there. Beatitudes, uh, compassionate discipleship disciples, baptism, and public declaration. So we're believing that this will be a great gift. And I'm going to ask everybody to read it, go through it, pick one up on your way out. Whether you've signed up to become a mentor for those going through First 30, maybe you're new, you've never heard of this. What we want to do is every time somebody says yes to Jesus, we want to not only get them a booklet, but we want to set them up with a buddy system, a mentor that say, I'm going to walk through this with you in those first 30 days as you are a baby Christian, allow us to come alongside and help you in your rapid, most rapid season of growth. We continue to grow our whole lives, but there's something about these first 30 days, and it takes them all the way to what it means to be baptized in water. And in case I didn't mention it, October 29th, we're going to be baptizing more people. It's going to be awesome. So pick this up on your way out. Take advantage of that. We've got Alpha starting this Wednesday. As we mentioned, you don't have to sign up for that, but you can come. If first 30 is more of like a one-on-one one, you know, person to person type deal. Alpha is a little bit 
bit more of a one-on group. So you sit at a round table, talk about some big topics, uh, things of what is, you know, who is God, all those kind of things. So that's also awesome. Starting on Wednesday night, you could come there. And then there's community groups. There's all sorts of different groups. Some people get together to pray, go through a book of the Bible, a book that was written, a sermon study, have a fellowship, whatever it is. There's all different groups. You can see them online. You can see them through your app. Or when you go to pick up your first 30 booklet, notice I did not say if you go pick one up. I said when you go pick one up, then there's a QR code because Pastor David loves QR codes and you can scan it and it'll take you right there to show the listing of all the groups. What's the importance of a group? Everybody needs a circle, a small circle of people that you can know and they can know you, right? We're big church, a lot of rows, people coming, going. I always say in the Connect Lunch, so if you're coming today, uh, you're going to hear me in a minute. I'll say this church is so big, you can be as anonymous as you want to be. Right? You could show up late. You could leave early. You could slide. You, you don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to. But I also am praying that our church is so big that everybody can find somebody that they like. <laughs> you might have to try a few different groups. Maybe the first one's weird. We got some weird ones. I won't tell you which one, but we got some. If you go and you didn't think anybody at that group was weird, they thought you were weird. Okay, you know, like that's just the way it works. It's okay. Keep trying one. Fine. Because here's the thing. We all need people that we can celebrate victories with and that we can mourn losses with. We need people that are like, way to go. That's awesome. Your kid did great. You were amazing, whatever. And then we need people that are like, come on, God's bigger in this current struggle, in the midst of this low moment, in the midst, you know, we need people that we have circle, we have community with, that we can look them in the eyes. One of the things I loved about yesterday, uh, the ladies' brunch is they were able to just sit there face to face and just meet a couple people. And so it was like speed dating, but for friends, <laughs> I think is the way my wife described it. And so they had like three minutes, they were just looking, talking, asking. The room was as loud as I've ever heard it. By the way, way louder than any men's breakfast I've ever been at. Men's breakfast is like, hello, anybody here? <laughs> you know, and women was like, oh, real loud. Okay, anyway, but we all need to meet people. We need to have relationship with people that we know we can count on and they can count on us. But that's up to each of us to choose who are we going to be connected with. So pick a group, whatever, make up a group, whatever it is, just have people in your life that are dependable to you and you to them. All right, number three, challenges reveal commitment. This is true about discipleship. Challenges reveal commitment. Verse 22, the second part of it says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, let me bring some clarity through context. This one verse in the middle of other verses and within the whole of scripture um, but I, when we understand context or the whole of scripture, this verse does not, somebody say it does not. This verse does not mean we have to be poor and suffer all the time to get into heaven. I thought more than nine people would have enjoyed that uplifting message, you know, but uh, the rest of you, I guess, can be sick all the, no, but I'm just saying, right? There's no indication in scripture that it's a requirement to be sick in body all the time to get into the kingdom of God. It makes no sense. <laughs> but on the flip side, let me also just say that it doesn't mean if we are sick that we're definitely sinning. Sickness is a result of sin in this world, but not necessarily our own sin. 
So just because you are sick doesn't mean you sinned this morning. It just means one day when Adam and Eve sinned, right? The Bible says in Genesis, Eve ate of the fruit and Adam was there. He did nothing. He was the very first loser husband in the Bible. Adam was the first one that was like, let her do what she wants. See, and some of that sounds good today, doesn't it? Like, oh, let let people make their own choice. But at some point, we'll be reminded that it's not loving to just silently sit there while people throw their life away. I don't think Adam needed to be a jerk to his wife and say, you don't get to make any decisions. I'm the head of this house. There's, there's a big difference between being silent and being a jerk. But I can't help but think, what would things have looked like? How would our lives be different today if Adam had been like, you know what, Eve? God's got better things for us than that apple or whatever it was. We don't really know it was an apple, but that's just what we call it. <laughs> so that's why I got to stand up here and say these things to you. That's why we need people engaged, parents engaged in their kids' lives. It's not enough to be like, well, they got to learn their own way. I mean, they do have to learn for themselves, but they need God put you there. Don't be silent. (laughs) Be involved. Be engaged. And so sickness and lack and poverty are a result of sin having entered the world. It was not part of God's perfect plan in the garden. (laughs) They were working, but they weren't having to work hard. So therefore, we know it's not like we're going to blame somebody because they're sick. We're like, oh, they must be sinning. The same way we don't think it the other way. You know that not all provision, not all prosperity is equated to God's blessing in their life, God's approval of their actions. You know, some people are prosperous just because they're robbing from other people. Like when we read scripture, if you'd like to read it cover to cover, I've done it a bunch of times, you're going to find four different types of people in the Bible. Number one, poor uh, righteous people, poor righteous people. And then you're going to find rich, righteous people. Turns out, you're also going to find poor, unrighteous people and rich, unrighteous people. Newsflash, your bank account is not a barometer of your spirituality. (laughs) It's an indicator of your budgeting skills, probably, you know, (laughs) So when we go through tough times, it doesn't make us be committed. We're not like masochist Christians. Is that, we're not like on purpose trying to go, oh, I just got to go and serving Jesus has to be tough. That's not like in the Bible. But when we're serving Jesus and we go through tough times, it reveals if our faith was committed or if it was just convenient. Everybody, talk is cheap, right? Everybody can talk faith when things are good. But you know, over the last couple of years, we started to find out who, whose speech didn't really line up with their beliefs, right? We, we got people that when politics went their way, they said, I'm blessed and highly favored. When their sports team won, they were more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. When their income went up, when they were promoted, they were taking dominion and proving it here on earth. (laughs) But 
when the politics, the political decision didn't go their way or their sports team didn't win or their retirement account diminished, let me just say, when their pastor said something they didn't like, parenthetically, but still in line with the word of God, (laughs) unparenthetically back, we found out that convenience won the day in their life and their commitment vanished. But more accurately, I would say that the challenges revealed their lack of commitment that their convenience had masked. But it's not all doom and gloom on this topic, dear brothers and sisters. I believe there's great testimony or great encouragement for us here as well. As much as I'm sad about what we learned about people over the last few years, I'm also deeply thankful for the good things that were proven or revealed as well. Come on, I I believe this for you. I believe there's a greater spirit of unity than before because you know who you can count on. There was a season where I really didn't know. I didn't know who was going to come back to church, who still liked me, who just left, who was staying out for COVID, who was staying out because of crisis. I mean, I don't know. I didn't know. But, but when you go through tough stuff, don't think of it through my lens. Think of it from you. I want to encourage you. I know there are many people here today who've been hurt by somebody walking out on you over the last couple of years. A relationship ended, a family. The, they, what, but take heart, friend. The devil didn't win. You can be encouraged even in things that let you down. Why? Because you're still here. Why? Because you now have the joy to walk alongside other believers who were also forged in the fire. Come on, God didn't leave any of us. He didn't forsake a one. And if we're still here today, by the way, you are, if you're watching online, you're alive. If you got pulse, you got a purpose, right? You know that your faith has been tested. And because it's been tested, you know it can be trusted. So you can worship confidently today. You can celebrate with your whole being because you know your faith wasn't just convenient but your faith was committed. Come on, can I get a good amen? Challenges reveal our commitment. Everybody likes being married on the honeymoon. I'll explain that more in a marriage series later. But there are days where you just find out, are you committed or was it just convenient? The same is true in every area of our life. Number four, I get ready to close and we'll pray and give our instructions. Number four, the whole purpose of this is that disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. If we go back to the beginning, decisions become disciples. And at the end, this continual process, this flywheel, this repeatable disciples make disciples. Verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, spiritual leaders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. I think this last verse is so important for us as we are in this season of revival and weekly growth here at Celebration and with anticipation of what is still yet to come. Come on, we've enjoyed this season, but I'm confident God's not done yet. He's not done saving. He's not done setting free. He's not done restoring. He's not done healing. He's still at work, and the best is still yet to come. 
I was just thanking God. I wrote down yesterday for over 200 people this year alone who said yes to Jesus. Their sins have been forgiven. They've been made new. That's awesome to hear what God has done right in front of our lives. Eight or nine more in the first service today. I'm thankful we're at Um, I think 98 people or 89, I can't remember, who've been baptized in water in services this year alone. And next month, October 29th, I believe we'll go way over 100. People saying publicly, I've been made new. It's awesome what God has been doing right in front of our very lives. We've got dozens and dozens and dozens. I think it's right at 100 of people who've been set free uh, and delivered from demonic strongholds that have held them back for a long time. Come on, we can give God thanks for what he's been doing. The list of testimonies is astounding. We'll share more of that on that baptism, but we're believing that God's not done. We're believing that he's got way more in store. We're believing for record numbers of people, as Dr. Carolyn Tennis said, to be swept into the kingdom of God quickly. That radical transformation can come to our neighborhoods and our cities and to our state and, yes, to our nation. And biblically speaking, as the gospel is preached to every nation, we can see the Lord Jesus return for his church, his bride without spot or wrinkle. And if we believe that's true, that God's not done, that as much as he's done, there's even more to go, the question for us today is what are we going to do about it? And I would say I've been trying for 40 minutes to tell you exactly what we're going to do. So let me just summarize it by saying we're just going to do what the word tells us to do, right? This is very simple. It says the gospel is preached. By the way, again, October 1st, it's all about this. But that's more than just when you come to celebration, you can count on the gospel being preached. But again, as a reminder, you can know anytime you bring a friend, you come, bring an enemy, the gospel will be preached. (laughs) But I think we need to preach the gospel way more than just a half hour on Sunday morning. Oh, you know what, let's be honest, more than 40 minutes on Sunday morning. I don't want to sit here and lie and just say 30 minutes. We got a little bit more than 30 minutes. But we need the gospel to be preached on Monday and, and Tuesday and, and Wednesday and Thursday and, and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, even when we go home, when we go to the grocery store and when we go to work and when we go to school and when we're out and about. We need the gospel to be preached to each and every person. And when the gospel is preached, I believe people will say yes to Jesus. They will make a decision to follow him. I'm confident about this. Not only do we have history on our side, we have the word of God on our side that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word says that his word will never return void. So when we preach, we should be confident that people will say yes. And when they say yes, when they make that decision, we need them to become a disciple. Like we start out as a consumer. That's when you have a new baby in your house or a young child, they are not contributing. They are consuming because that's what babies do. They contribute to your garbage, but that's a different story. <laughs> They're just consuming. But eventually, the goal is for that baby to grow, to mature. 
you missed that message, to grow and to eventually become a contributor to other people. We're trying to raise our kids to be good contributors to our society, to be a good neighbor, a good employee, a good boss, whatever it is. But they start out consuming. The same is true with our walk with Christ. When somebody first comes to follow Jesus, they're going to be a consumer. Maybe you're brand new to church. You're going to consume. You, you need to ask, what, what can I learn? What can I receive? We're literally preparing lunch for you today, <laughs> hoping that you will consume it, right? If not, we'll have it for leftovers on Tuesday at staff meeting. But either way, that's what you do when you're new, when you're a baby. But eventually, how do I say this nicely? Grow up! I'm not worried about people who are new in their faith being a consumer. I'm worried about people that say they follow Jesus for 30 years and their, st- their talk, their speech still sounds like me, 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 me. We need people to grow up and say, how can I help you, 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 you? become a contributor in the kingdom of God and disciples eventually make disciples. So we need people being involved, moving from a consumer to a contributor. And when this happens, when there is a culture of discipleship within the body of Christ, I'm telling you the church always grows. The kingdom of God continues to expand. People are welcomed into the faith as they're discipled. Eventually, they become disciples of other people, and the church continues to grow. It's how it's worked for 2,000 years, and it'll work for however long until Jesus comes back for his church. When the gospel is preached, people say yes. When they're discipled, growth occurs. And when that happens then the leadership team grows, right? Because people are not just consuming, they're now contributing. They're like, how can I help other people? How can I look out for them? Instead of just, can I be in a group? It's, can I help lead a group? It's not, it's, we're trying to grow. And so here's my thing for us here today, and I need to finish so they come out. Yeah, you can start playing, that'll be fine. He's already out there, he's quiet. As we continue to grow, let me say it this way. As we add more rows, it was fun on Wednesday night as more people keep coming to prayer gathering. We had to add more rows around the circle. And, and, and as we add services and language things and age grade, as we grow, as numbers rise, as we add more rows, I believe we need to create more circles. Because like I mentioned, as we continue to grow, it's easier and easier to just be unknown. And therefore... You know, it doesn't matter how many people are here. We're still only going to know a handful of people, whether there's 10 people in the church or 10,000. You're only going to have your couple, three, four close friends anyway. So I never understood when they're like, oh, there's a lot of people here. You're not going to know them anyway. I don't know them. I'm the pastor. That's why the lights are bright. I'm like, who is here today? I don't know. (laughs) But we all need a circle that we could call when we're going through it, that we could text when we're in a pinch, that as we're praying, we could text encouragement to them and say, you know, I don't know what's going on, but Holy Spirit just dropped your name on my heart. And a little circle where we could be known and we could know them. So even as we add more rows, <laughs> we got to create more 
circles. Why? Because the point of discipleship, the point of a discipleship emphasis is not a 13-week course that you complete, stop, you get a gold sticker and you put it on your fridge. Let me just say this as plainly as I can. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I might, but I'm not trying to. The point of a discipleship emphasis is more than being confirmed and then doing nothing. Come on, you still love your pastor? I'm I'm trying to help you. It's more than. I didn't say it's bad. I'm just saying it's more than. The point of a discipleship emphasis is for all of us to become more like Christ, which always includes helping other people become disciples as well. So that's our clarion call today. Don't just make a decision, but become a disciple. Don't just receive from others, but give of what you've received from them. As we were talking and praying this week, Pastor Vicente had mentioned how in his 22 years here at this church, he came in far from God, was radically saved. and Become a disciple, I believe, discipling others. He said he was reflecting upon all the people that have contributed to his spiritual well-being over the last 22 years in this church and in this community. And he said, it made him ask, reflect, think about, am I giving what's already been given to me? I told him, well, Pastor Vicente, I think you're really helping a lot of people, so I think you are. But, but I think that heart, that sentiment, that question for all of us to ask the Holy Spirit, am I giving out in proportion to what people have given to me? Again, we're not talking about, like, what do you give an offering? I'm saying, are you being generous with your wisdom, your insight, your spiritual discipline, the, the things? Somebody taught us how to pray. Are we teaching somebody else how to pray? Somebody taught us how to read the word for, and, and are we helping somebody else? We, we, we're grateful for growth and expansion of those things, but we've got to remain focused on a couple people as they were focused with us. So we see there on the bottom of your notes, I'll say very close, uh, very quickly, and then I'll close, take a step or another step. Take a step or another step. Now, if you're here and you're not right with God, there's sin in your life, that first part is you, take a step. I could say take one step, but everybody's gonna take one step. No matter how far away you feel from God, Jesus is taking every step. He came, he left heaven, came to earth. Why? It's just, he's so close. If you'll just take one step for you, that'll be a step that most of the rest of us have already taken in this life. Where we've said yes to Jesus. And in a moment, I'm gonna come back, but I wanna allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart in this moment. Again, if there's sin in your life, you're not right with God, this is gonna be for you to take a step, to say yes to Jesus, repent of your sin, be forgiven, be made new here today. But for the rest of us that have already taken that step, I want to encourage from Dale, probably maybe the oldest one in the room, down to whoever's youngest, everybody can take another step. Because we're all in this continual process together. None of us have learned so much that we're done learning. None of us have memorized or we can all take another step. So much so that when you leave, we're giving everybody a pack of mints. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with my message, but let me just say, if somebody offers you a mint, take it. 
It's not even a spiritual thing. I'm just saying, your breath might stink. And so we're like, hey, here's, have a mint. And you're like, I'm good. We're like, but you're not. That's why we're offering. You know, like, just, I'm just, that, I'm trying to help humanity with that one. That has nothing to do with my message. All right, now we're back to this. We're going to give you mints. Why? Because my prayer is that we would recognize discipleship is going to require an increase of proximity to one another. Discipleship is really tough to do from a distance. And that's one of the things that I believe we've lost with this YouTube, Google, I don't want to call it generation because I do it now too, right? You can just learn. You can just YouTube it. You can watch a video from someone you've never met. They might be lying to you. You don't know who they are. But we've reduced some things spiritually to that too. And I just want you to know discipleship is going to require closer proximity to somebody. You don't have to get close to everybody. In fact, let me just tell you, physically speaking, and by the way, then it means spiritually as well, you cannot be close to everybody. That's okay. But you can get close to somebody. And so when we give these mints on the way out, take them. <laughs> but, but spiritually, it's an encouragement to say, would you choose to take another step of discipleship? And maybe you look and you're like, you know what? I haven't really grown in my faith much. Maybe there's some spiritual disciplines that are lacking in my life. Take another step to become more like Jesus. Maybe you're like, things are going great. I'm in the word and praying all that. Would you take a step and bring somebody under your wing a little bit and say, you know what? Let me help walk you through this because disciples make disciples. We've got some classes, we've got some things going, but I just believe one of the keys to success for the church of Jesus Christ in these next months and years, however long till he comes back, is that we increase our proximity with one another as we are disciples together, amen? Amen, would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? I wanna pray and we'll be on our way, but we can't leave this moment, even as we talk about discipleship and all the decisions that should be impacted if you're here and you need to make that one, that most important decision, the most important decision of all. One I made when I was three and a half years old, one that some people have made when they were well-grown, whatever age, whatever season, but you're here in this moment, in the room or watching online. You recognize that you need to take that first step to repent of your sin, to come to Jesus here today. The Bible says Jesus will come into your life. He'll forgive you of your sin. The old will be gone and the new will come. And in a moment, I'm just going to count to three to give you a starting point. And I'm going to ask you to participate in an indicator and just lift your hand up real tall and then we're going to pray. But you need to take that first step to be forgiven of your sin. There's going to be a lot of steps after this that will be changed because of this one. But you want to take that first step here today. Everybody's going to take some step, but this is your step here today. You're not right with God, but you want to be. When I count to three, would you lift your hand and we're going to pray together and you're going to be, as the Bible says, a new creation. Come on, one, if there's sin in your life, I'm talking to you. Two, three, come on, lift your hand right now. Sure. Thank you, ma'am. Sure. Sure. My, my, my. Just pause in this moment. 12, 13, 14, 15, saying yes to Jesus, 16. Pause in this moment. This is your day. This is your step. 
It's the best step of all, one that all of heaven is celebrating about. Thank you, ma'am. Let's just pray together. I'm going to ask everybody to pray out loud, whether you raised your hand, you wanted to, maybe you just, you're participating. I'm just asking everybody, let's do this together as one big family of God. Let's pray out loud. Say, dear Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying my way. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Can we thank the Lord here this morning? Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.